Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. Today I am speaking with Logan Mickley, who is uh, one of the owners of New York City's first and only dog-friendly cafe, Boris and Hortons, which is in the East Village and is named after, well, actually, Logan, why don't you tell us about the cafe's namesakes? Um, I actually have Horton here with me, um, and the other dog uh, that the cafe is named after is Boris, and that's my dad's dog. Um, and Horton, I should say, is just the cutest, gruffiest little like terrier mix who loves nothing more than to stare lovingly at <laughs> at Logan. Yes, yeah, stare deeply into my eyes. <laughs> he does need a haircut. He looks scruffy, but he looks like a li- maybe a little too scruffy. I, I think he's perfectly, perfectly <laughs> scruffy. He has like grandpa eyebrows right now. <laughs> and, um, and Logan uh, runs Borson Horton with her dad. So tell me his name. Yeah, his name is Copy Holzman. So I actually worked with my dad at his previous company, which is called Charity Buzz, and it's an online auction company that raises money for nonprofits. Um, So he was in the process of selling the business. And Uh, and he's something of a serial entrepreneur, is that right? Yes. So for my whole childhood and up until now, he's started several different businesses, sold them. Uh, He's super creative, big ideas guy. Um, But yeah, his previous company, Charity Buzz, is an online auction company that raises money for nonprofits. And he um, was in the process of selling it. And we were actually out to dinner one night. And I was staying at the company, but I wasn't kind of like loving the company culture and was thinking about leaving myself. And uh, so we both just said, like, why don't we do something together? Uh, My brother actually worked at Charity Buzz uh, with us and him and my dad did not work well together. So they're great as actual family, but don't work well together in an office. But uh, me and my dad work really well together. We kind of know what our like lanes are, and we're often on the, the same page about things we need to be on the same page about. And we have um, we each bring unique expertise and vision to the idea and kind of like work really well in parallel with each other, and there's a lot of respect there. And you, you had a background in, in dog rescue. Tell me how that got started. Yeah, so I lived in New Orleans. That's where I went to college, and Mm -hmm. I stayed there a bit after college. Um, But basically, I was looking for a volunteer opportunity, and uh, New Orleans is a little bit different than New York uh, because you kind of see stray dogs on the street. You see pit bull puppies being sold out of a cage in the park, or you see dogs tied up outside of people's homes. Like It's not the best place to be a dog. Um, so I wanted to volunteer in an animal shelter and I just kind of got sucked in from there. I found a small shelter run by a single woman and my sort of responsibility there just grew and grew and grew. Like I started just cleaning cages and then volunteering at 
uh, adoption events and it became like taking home dogs, taking home parvo puppies or litters of dogs with like Demodex and getting them healthy. Um, and just, it sort of became my life. So I was becoming, or I was in school to become a teacher. And I realized that all of my lesson plans for my students were about dogs. And I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'm more passionate about this. So um, I stayed in New Orleans for a while. And then through a series of sort of unfortunate circumstances, the rescue became mine. Um, wow. It's a lot of a lot of responsibility to yeah. inherit at a young age. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I worked with some other volunteers and um, the woman who ran it, her family, to sort of rehome all of the dogs. And at that point, most of the dogs in the shelter were probably more like sanctuary type dogs. So ones with health problems. Mm. Like there was one corgi mix that was paralyzed from her waist down just mm. from having so many litters. Mm. Um, or just a lot of dogs that were dog aggressive, which is really hard in New Orleans because there's not so many homes. So it's kind of like if you want a dog, you're going to find one or adopt one and it's hard to find homes that don't already have a dog in them Yeah, we like to think that there's a home out there for every dog but i believe that i mean i still definitely believe that it's just harder yeah um and particularly when you have dogs with these like difficult backstories Mm -hmm. i mean we still had dogs this was a few years ago we still had dogs that were katrina rescues that sort of like never found a home Mm. Um, but we were able to find homes for all of the dogs a couple of them were sanctuaries um And then one of the rescues that took a few of them was a connection that was made during Hurricane Katrina. And they volunteered to take dogs that they don't typically take uh, just because they heard about the story and heard that we were desperate. So that was great. Um, But once that got handled and the property got sold, I sort of definitely had... I didn't think I wanted to do a rescue anymore because it was really emotional and difficult. But um, coming up with this idea with my dad has been great because... We are super involved in the rescue world, but it's sort of like the warm and fuzzy. So how, how did you hit on this idea? Because there there are certainly cat cafes. That's something that's really taken off in the last yeah. five or six years throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't encountered uh, dog cafes that I've read about even in other parts of the world that are friendlier to having dogs around uh, <laughs> food, for example. Right. So how did you come up with this idea? Well, it's exactly that. We were inspired by the cat cafes. Uh, my dad and I were walking in the West Village uh, one day with our two dogs, and we wanted to get coffee, something that we're both obsessed with. We both drink a ton of coffee. Um, and one of us had to stay on the sidewalk with the two dogs while the other person went in. Mm-hmm. We sort of noticed that there was a group like clustered outside the coffee shop with dogs and like, no way to place their order with their dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought that that would be sort of a revolutionary idea for New Yorkers. And we knew that the cat cafes had just started opening. So we figured that there was some way to work with the health department to sort of do maybe a separate space, two separate spaces and figure it out with their blessing. So the next thing we did was just have a meeting with the health department and say, if we wanted to do this concept, how would we do it? Hmm. And was that, that sounds like a hard thing to do, just get a meeting with the health department. No, honestly, the hardest part was just getting that meeting I, because I they would say, what do you want to talk about? And I would say, I want to talk about having a dog-friendly cafe. And they'd say, no such thing. You can't have dogs and people, or dogs and food together. And I would say, no, I'm trying to do it the right way. Like the cat cafe, it's, can I please have a meeting? Mm-hmm. And they just, it's like a bureaucracy city department. So like there was Absolutely. a lot, there was a lot to just kind of, 
get the lady on the phone to understand what I was trying to do. But once we got the meeting, we actually found that they were super helpful. They were like, oh, I do understand exactly what you're trying to do concept wise. And here's how you would do it. Like there's no negotiating. There's no, oh, but that doesn't work. Like I want to do it this way. They're like, this is how you would do it. This is exactly how you would do it. There's no string from those guidelines. But if you do it exactly like that, we will give you a permit. So it, what it, it looks like to me, the way that you have it set up and, you know, please correct me, mm-hmm. is it's almost like you have a cafe that actually has absolutely nothing to do with dogs, although it kind of has like a doggy theme to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyone could just enjoy it as its own cafe. And uh, the only thing that's maybe different than other cafes is it has a window that faces the street. Mm-hmm. And then you have a completely separate space right next to it that I'm guessing follows the rules of like a dog daycare um, as far as the city is concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And people can then go into that space with whatever they get from the other space. Is that is that basically right? And yeah. Is it the staff the staff is separate. Yes. People there's there's no waiter service. Is that right? Exactly. So yeah, the way the health department sees it is two adjacent spaces with um, sort of a vestibule connection. But the big key thing for them is that the vestibule, aka the double doors that we call we call it double doors, um, also have an exit to the street. So the way that they look at it is you can visit the cafe. You can grab food or drinks, and it's your choice whether or not you want to go outside onto the street or into this adjacent dog-friendly area. Mm-hmm. So when they come to do their permitting and all of that, they actually don't even look at the dog-friendly side because they're only concerned with the right, like the same thing that they would be concerned with with any cafe. Right. But you know, I, I, running a dog training studio, I still have to deal with the Department of Health for so, other things. Yes. Yeah, so we. Originally, we didn't have to get any sort of permit for the Department of Health, and we still don't really fall specifically into any of their categories because we're not boarding animals, we're not Mm -hmm. training animals, we're not grooming animals, Mm -hmm. but I did get the small animal handling permit. Oh, I I had to get that too, the two-day class. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of fun. Um, (laughs) For the the uninitiated, there's this two-day class you have to take if you run, anything that kind of vaguely falls in, because we too are not totally in the category, but anything that falls into like pets, door, animal handling, boarding, and it's called the... And small animal handling yeah so it's but it's even if you have like a dog walking company hmm. with no facility facility oh i I'm thought pretty sure. i thought it had to do it was pegged to a facility well i don't know well, i went and took it uh like four years ago and it was so boring and it seems so like so irrelevant they'd be like what is what kind of chemicals can or cannot be used near a fish tank exactly and i literally like slept through 80 percent of it not realizing that there was an exam at the end that you had to take and and, uh they only offer it once a year so if you fail this exam you're basically screwed for another year and i think the passing grade on on the exam was 73 and i got like 75 (laughs) yeah no it's really specific it's very specific and the thing that kind of bummed me out was like you had the same the same people in the room with you are like puppy mill pet store owners Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're telling you like how to take care of dogs and pet stores in a way that like treated them sort of more like 
property. It was yeah. Yeah, it was like a real bummer. I I did hate it. Um, I remember also feeling like they talked exceedingly slow and gave amazing amounts of breaks. Yeah. Where I was like, oh my god, if you guys just spoke a little faster and got rid of all these breaks, we could be done here in like three hours rather than spending like two days. Yeah. Well, so for me, (laughs) so yeah, it's offered like very rarely, and they assign you a date. And the date they assigned me was uh, when the Real Housewives were taping at the cafe. <laughs> and I was like super bummed because I just really wanted to be a fly on the wall for that. And instead I was in some like basement in Harlem learning about <laughs> gerbil feed. But <laughs> it's fine. I passed. But yeah. <laughs> we, we won't compare grades because I have a feeling you did. I actually, <laughs> no, I remember you saying that, or maybe Anna mm-hmm. from School for the Dogs said that you had to do it and then the te- there was a test so I remember that and I paid a little bit more attention. <laughs> more attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now you opened about nine months ago is that right? Uh, yeah in February. Okay and since then you've expanded? Yes. Okay so it's it's a really beautiful space I think you guys have done an amazing job at making something that is like a place where humans want to be and that's that's always sort of been a pet peeve of mine as far as dog places go and something we've we've also tried to do at school for the dogs is make a place that humans want to hang out Mm -hmm. because like dog daycares are not places where people want to spend any time in in my opinion um and uh and i and i i really like the idea of being able to like have a destination where you can go to with your dog because yeah i find it it really is this like unaddressed problem that I guess I mean I say that and then I'm a little bit like first world problems Mm -hmm. I can't bring my dog in when I go get coffee well I think it's a real problem (laughs) (laughs) but you know like I um my husband for his work uh we spend a lot of time in Rome and Mm -hmm. in and in in, uh, France and they're so dog friendly in in both Italy and France um it's not a big deal where you bring your dog and uh whereas here it always drives me crazy that like like there's a Dwayne Reed near my house and like I can bring the dog in there and they all kind of like look the other way but they're not supposed to be there but one time my dog was like sniffing I don't know like a bag of Cheetos or like the Snickers bars or something and this guy like another customer started yelling at me he's like your dog is sniffing food that people are gonna eat and I'm like through the packaging (laughs) Like he's probably, you know, cleaner than some of the people who are handling that food also through the packaging. Is it, are there different rules about serving coffee and having food? So for us, the big things are obviously there's a separate space. There's a separate staff on either side. So you can't leave the coffee bar as a staff member behind the bar, go into the dog side and then go back behind the coffee bar. You're sort of viewed as contaminated. Which Um, is crazy right I don't know (laughs) (laughs) um and then like everything's disposable so we wouldn't have like a ceramic coffee mug and Mm. then go have it go into the dog side and then back to like the sink behind the coffee bar so those are sort of the big things did you think about if you had just decided to have coffee and no food would the rules have been the same no so I believe in other cities like just beverages have a different different rule and I know like roasteries and breweries are different because they're department of agriculture Hmm. but for us anything that you put in your mouth counts under these rules um but the one nice thing is like because it is so strict and we are the only ones who are doing it right like we sort of have a competitive edge like Hmm. if there was 
a way that you could just serve coffee and have dogs inside like it would already be done what about uh, cat cafes? Are they set up the same way that you're set up? Pretty similar, but the difference is that they're boarding cats. So it's not like the cats are like walking through the front door mm-hmm. and back out again. So like their setup is a little bit different, but they do also have like a double doors thing and same sort of view on food contamination. So tell me about like the dream that you had versus the reality that exists now. How is it? How is it similar or different in ways that you maybe wouldn't have expected? I think it's pretty spot on to my dream. (laughs) I mean, the feeling I get when I'm in there, probably the one thing that is annoying, but we deal with is just the lack of waitress service. Like we'd rather be able to bring everyone their food and drinks. And that's probably like the one thing that feels like a slight annoyance. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like we feel like we kind of, we feel awesome because we were able to take this like crazy set of rules and like make something that is actually pretty user friendly yeah. and pretty spot on with like what people want to be doing with their dogs. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice if somebody brought you your food and drink instead of having to grab it yourself. Do you know, um, I think it's called Chateau. Loa. Yeah. Yeah. In Astoria. Mm-hmm. How, how is that set up similarly or differently? Because I, I haven't been there, but I've heard that that's also like a dog friendly yeah. place where you can get coffee. Um, so I think it's pretty similar to what we've done, but I do have to go check it out because I'm not not 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. I've seen pictures and I've heard definitely good things about it. Um, and I know that they were sort of doing things under the radar. They actually existed before we did. They were doing things under the radar health department wise. Mm-hmm. And then I know they got a new space and I'm would imagine with the new space that they're probably up to compliance now. Are there other places in America that you've been inspired by or or outside of America? Yeah, so there's a dog cafe in LA, which is different than what we are. We call ourselves a dog-friendly cafe, but not a dog cafe. The idea being that dogs that come to our cafe are brought in by their owners versus like dogs live there. But there's a dog cafe in LA that's also kind of an adoption center. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool because they're basically making adoption a bit friendlier and more comfortable and more approachable, which mm-hmm. I'm super into. Um, and then, well, I used to live what in... What is that place called? I think it's just called Dog Cafe LA. Mm-hmm. I follow them on Instagram. They're always posting really cute dog pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I used to live in New Orleans where I think the rules are like much less strict. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bar called The Bulldog where there's this great outside sort of patio for dogs, but you do have to go through the bar to get your dog over there. But I think that's allowed, but it's like a really They're kind of places place. like that, like uh, DBA in the East Village, right? Shh. <laughs> yeah, so there's places that are doing it that I don't, I try not to name because they're doing it. They shouldn't not be, com- but they're getting yeah, away with it. Not the right way, but they're getting away with it. I mean, I'm sure they've had their fair share of tickets and things, but... I just don't talk about those because I, I like it there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want them to get in trouble. Right, right. Um, tell me about, well, let's see. So for someone who hasn't been to Boris and Horton, how would you describe the experience of, of going in there? I mean, I can tell. So I, am I the register where I stand faces the door. And I just think it's really cool. I watch people come in for the first time and their faces just like light up. Like, where am I? Like, ha- like what is this heavenly place? Um, so it's a dog-friendly cafe. You're going to come in. There's two double doors um, that allow dogs to be off-leash. So mm-hmm. it's like the dog park where you open one door at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's a super bright, well-lit space, super colorful. And you're just going to see people sitting at tables, drinking, eating, hanging out. And there's dogs at their feet, like just playing and uh, begging for treats. <laughs> and um, So how do you deal with the issue of people coming in off the streets with dogs who might not be appropriate for that kind of situation? So it's really rare. I think it's very different than the dog park, which the dog park gets like all walks of life, all kinds of dog owners. It gets super high energy. There's a lot of fights just happen because of the environment. Our space, I think that the, that the dog owners are typically much more responsible. They kind of know whether or not their dog would do well in a space like this. But we also, because of School for the Dogs, have some training on um, dog body language, behavior, how to diffuse situations. Right, right. And we we gave we gave a little talk to your mm-hmm. employees and and uh, created like a, a handbook, I think. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, I can always tell when a dog comes in, like the way they're feeling about the space. So if a dog looks super nervous walking in, like I'll make sure that the other dogs are giving them the space they need to get comfortable with the mm-hmm. space, be able to like sniff some things, look around, make, realize, oh, I'm not at the vet. I'm at like a happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also sort of just refereeing any sort of playtime. So I definitely make sure that the dogs are getting breaks. Even if it's really good play, if it gets super high energy, I want to stop it before it gets to like the level of something like the dog park. Mm-hmm. Um, and owners are really, really receptive to us getting in there. So I was just telling someone today, I've never had an owner say like, don't touch my dog or don't tell me what to do with my dog. Everyone's like totally cool with it. Mm-hmm. So we're able to manage situations really well i have had to have people take their dog out or put their dog back on leash or go sit at a different table so it happens it's just pretty rare Hmm. so sort of uh sort of a self-selecting group of thoughtful people you know i I, we have what we call the schoolyard which is like our off-leash um Mm -hmm. playtime but we um it's only for members and we vet all the dogs and the people like before they come in, even the people have to like take a little written test. So it's a little bit more like, um, structured, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I really think that what makes it work more than anything else is just having someone in charge. And frankly, I mean, it's always a trainer in charge, but I think, I think if there was just anyone in charge at like your average dog park who just had a hat that said like in like, charge listen to me. yeah <laughs> no it's definitely- like even if it wasn't someone with like some grand education about dog training I think that people would be better off because it's an it's interesting that there's this sort of like lord of the flies thing that can tend to happen when people are with their dogs off leash and don't trust each other to tell each other stuff like I find that at the dog park all the time like I want to say something to someone about their dog and you know I'm like I I I, am pretty confident most of the time that I have more of an expertise than whoever I'm talking to but I you know stop myself 99.5 percent of the time because I you know I'm like nobody's going to be appreciative of you know this woman coming up to them telling them what they should be doing with their dog but just like just a little bit of that, I think, can go a long way. Lifeguarding. You know? Yeah, it's essentially that. And the nice thing that we can do is we develop relationships with all of the dogs and the people like we have a lot of regulars. So if I know a dog is not having a good time, I'll say, hey, buddy, you want to come with me and get a treat or like, let's play the puzzle game by ourselves. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm kind of a nursery school mm-hmm. teacher, but 
like I have no issue whatsoever like getting in getting in there and redirecting the situation. I think our jobs would be a lot harder if customers didn't respect us for yeah. that or didn't want us to be doing that. One thing I noticed last time I was there, if you're open to a suggestion, yeah. would be to have some different levels or a, another level, um, like a just kind of like a, a banquette, but not for people, like something a little bit larger maybe for dogs, so that um, you could separate them without any kind of like gate situation, just separate yeah. them by, you know, height. Um, I find I, we use um, these things called um, climbs at our studio, mm -hmm. K-L-I-M-B, and they're basically just like plastic platforms. Um, but I find that sometimes when dogs are uncomfortable, it's, it's a nice way to create like a different area for them. But you know, the way you, you're set up, you could have something a little bit more, more permanent yeah. you know, set up like that. Are there any unexpected challenges that have come up running the space? Not a challenge, but, uh, a a thing that happens is just uh, because we're super high traffic space with a lot of dogs in it, we do get accidents from dogs that are like would mm. be fully considered potty train, potty train because they are not sure exactly like where hmm. am I? Am I inside? Am I outside? In, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it smells like dogs here. Um, but we like to say that we're like a, you know, like a NASCAR team. Like we just get in there, clean it up and like move on. And people always ask me like, who did it? Like, I don't care who did it. It's not their <laughs> fault. Like, I'm not here to tattle. I just clean it up or somebody cleans it up. Um, Do you have any, any cleaning secrets? Because it doesn't smell bad in there. No. We just love Nature's Miracle, the hardwood floor mm -hmm. one. Um, I think it helps. Like, it's, it's meant to help pick up the smell so that a dog is not enticed to mark over something. So I think it really helps. And it doesn't have, like, a super chemical sort of smell to it, which I think with the amount that we have to use would be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then when we close, I use kennel saw on the floors, but if it was a particularly heavy marking day, like I'll just mop with Nature's Miracle. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel badly. I feel like we use way too much paper because of the paper towel issue. So if mm -hmm. anyone has any suggestions for that, I'd love to hear them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine, and also you have to use all disposable exactly and stuff, yeah but but on the other hand you have a whole rescue component so why don't you <laughs> what your your what your what your uh the, the problems that maybe are being created by waste are perhaps yeah. being solved in another area by helping find dogs home so yeah tell me about the rescue component well, of Boris one, and Horton one thing I do want to say is all of our plates and cups they're disposable but they're all pulpware oh, so cool. they're like eco-friendly because mm -hmm. we knew that we were using a, a lot, lot mm -hmm. so we didn't want to just be like contributing mm -hmm. to that um but yeah, so probably the most exciting thing for me is the relationships that we've built with different rescues in the area mm -hmm. um, and the fact that we're able to host rescue events pretty much once a week. Mm -hmm. So if you come to us on a Saturday, most Saturdays you'll see a van parked outside of the cafe with adoptable dogs. And which rescues are you working with? Primarily, we work with Muddy Paws on the adoption events, um, Animal Control, and Bye We, mm -hmm. but Whenever we have a fundraiser or something like that, we try to pull in other rescues. So we also work with foster dogs a lot. And then we have a weekly trivia night on Thursdays. Oh, right. I saw that. Yeah, it's really fun. But every Thursday we pick a different animal rescue, which is great. So we pass around a jar. It's a $10 suggest suggested donation. And it's a nice way to fundraise for the rescue and then also 
um, if you're a supporter of the rescue, you can come that night and hang out with other, hang out and mingle with other supporters. It's dog trivia, is that right? Yeah. So it's um, our trivia master is Dan Shackner, the puppy bull ref, mm-hmm. and he puts together the questions. But it's dog trivia for the most part. But it could be like the answer could be like a movie with a with dog in the name that right, has nothing right. to do with dog. So it's not like you, you also, don't have to be crazy to be able to. You succeed. also have um, uh, paint your dog nights. Is that right? Yeah. So we do a portrait painting night. Um, with Michelle Cahill and you send her a photo in advance mm-hmm. and she sort of sketches out um, the lines of the painting and then you drink wine and paint it in and they actually <laughs> look really good. So. Yeah, that's, I've seen that. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, how has it been running a cafe? I mean, having from you going from not having a background in that and your dad neither also didn't, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm definitely a total foodie. I've always loved coffee shops. Like on my days off, I'm a co- I like hop from coffee shop to coffee shop. So I'm definitely passionate about it, but we have an operations manager for the cafe side. So she does all of our um, recipe creation, all of our ordering. Mm. She manages mm-hmm. the staff on the cafe side. So it's definitely, I definitely know about dogs. I do the dog stuff. She does the cafe stuff. Oh, that's great. So you've been sort of able to outsource that portion yeah. of it because I mean, as some, like running a business myself, the idea of running a business where I need to like restock food every day <laughs> seems like, yeah. yeah, that would be crazy. No, yeah, she, we, we definitely need that role and mm-hmm. she's amazing. Um, even when we expanded from the smaller space to the larger space and had like probably double or triple the sales on that first weekend, like we ran out of very few items and everything continues to go pretty smoothly. And that's clearly a skill that I don't have. Um, so she's been awesome. And then our coffee partner is really great. So we work with City of Saints and they're based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And they helped us with a lot of the staff training and the menu, the specialty beverage creation and all of that stuff. And um, and then there's also a retail portion of mm-hmm. your business. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite part of the job is buying cute dog things. <laughs> um, but we've learned a lot about what our customer likes over the past several months and uh we sell a ton of treats and mm-hmm. then small sort of accessories. So uh, Horton is wearing right now one of our Lucy & Co. Boris & Horton bandanas. And we um, we pull from Lucy & Co.'s existing socks somewhat. And then some of the patterns are unique to us. And all of the bandanas have like a co-branded tag. So we do a lot of that, a lot of partnerships with um, brands we like. Mm-hmm. And then whenever possible, we work with companies that are... Uh, based in New York or give back to rescue, which mm-hmm. is honestly not hard to find. There's some really great companies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the fun things that we do is we have a dog bakery case from Maison de Paz. So if you are eating a pastry with your coffee, your dog can have something pretty similar. Oh, <laughs> very cute. Oh, I didn't even think of that. So you do have items on the menu specifically for for dogs. Yeah. So we she does a bakery case that's all human grade ingredients and then um, pretty seasonal. So like we have the the pumpkin spice donut for fall, um, and like anytime there's a holiday, she's all over that. And then we also just uh, got a freezer, so we have dog ice cream. So oh. it's like dog frozen yogurt. The bear and the rat is yeah, that the exactly. brand that you have. Yeah, yeah. so that's I've really cute because that. you like pop the top and you don't need a spoon, and they just like lick from it. Oh, it's very cute. adorable. What kind of uh, do you have? Have you found that certain treats are more appealing to people and dogs than other kinds of treats? I ask because I think yeah. our business has certain kind of treats that work, but I think our needs are different. So. Right. Um, probably like our 
the biggest thing is like the Stewart's freeze dried liver treats. Hmm. I don't. I can't think of what those are. Do they? Oh, do they come in like a white and turquoise? Yeah, exactly. Bin. Yeah. Oh, okay. So those are the ones that we give away to the dogs, and mm-hmm. that's like why they pull their owners in. So they're what we would call like very high value. Um, <laughs> someone, someone told me they did the math once, and that pound per pound they those uh, cost more than lobster. Really? <laughs> that's funny. I mean, we're buying like major bulk. Yeah. But that's yeah. They're they're the good ones. Um, <laughs> And then, what, oh, well, we get a lot of allergy things. So we try to accommodate a mm-hmm. lot of different allergies. Chicken being, as you know, probably like the biggest one. Yeah, poultry. Exactly. And then uh, a lot of our dogs are on the smaller side. So we try to have like soft, easy to eat uh, treats. Mm-hmm. I would say bocce's is probably like one of our biggest sellers just because they do really fun packaging. It's a high quality treat. And then they are super seasonal. So mm-hmm. they have just like fun different themed item and then you have a lot a lot of things that are like boris and horton themed yeah so the one that i'm most proud of is our pet odor eliminator candle (laughs) so we always burn a candle in the cafe just Mm -hmm. to make sure that it smells nice and fresh and not like dogs i'm all about that yeah Yeah. so we we found a company that um, white labels candles and we developed a scent that is unique to our cafe Mm. and has our label on it and I can truly say that I really like the smell and then I think it works super well. Huh. Yeah, it's important that it smells good. Have yeah. You, did you also do a lot of experimenting with air purifiers? So one of the... I'm so, I wonder if people are listening to this are going to be interested or just being like, these people are nerding out about having a dog business. Yeah, like this is extremely specific. <laughs> I think it's specific, but it's also things that applies to people's homes. Yeah, you know, totally. Because if you have one... If you have one dog or you have 10 dogs in and out, you still are combating like dog smell and stuff. Yeah. My cat just did like a fur ball thing on my couch. I'm like, ugh. (laughs) Like if you are a pet owner, it is just. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Sharp actually reached out to us right when we were opening Mm -hmm. and traded us um, some air purifiers for the cafe. Or they sent them to us in exchange for photos of Boris and Horton in the cafe. So that was our first like sponsored anything. (laughs) Um, But and I I was a little bit skeptical, like, how is this going to help with the amount of dog traffic that we Mm -hmm. have? But I actually think that they've been really great. And I can tell from cleaning them every night that they're really picking up a lot of the um, dander and dust. Yeah. Yeah. I found that air purifiers are are key, but it can be hard to figure out like what's a what's a good one. Yeah. I think we need that. Now that we have more space, we're going to add a couple more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the big thing. Like, I'm actually slightly allergic to dogs. Oh. So I can tell, like, when the air purifier is on or not. It's more, huh. It's very worth it to me. Like, yeah. I'm fine to be sniffling a little bit if I get to be in the presence of dogs. But I know when, like, if it's dirty or dusty, I can tell right away. So what's next for Boris and Horton? Are you going to keep expanding the current space? Or are you going to open another location? Or We would love to open another location. So we're pretty far east right now. But mm-hmm. um, we would love to be on the west side mm-hmm. or maybe uptown. The idea is like, I think we've proven the concept. We know people want to eat and drink and hang out with their dogs outside of their apartment. Um, let's open more of them. So we mm-hmm. want to be in every neighborhood. Um And the idea is, like, we need a corner location with a coffee window close to a dog park. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of our traffic is people going to and from the dog park and picking up a coffee. Right, because you're right near Tompkins Square. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been really, really great for us. That's definitely the type of area we want to be. And we've actually found people who are now 
not even going into the dog run at the dog park. Like mm-hmm. this is their dog socialization. Right. And well, everyone... like I was saying, it's so nice to be able to have a destination, I mm-hmm. think, with your dog. You know, one thing we've been talking about at, at School for the Dogs, like it would be cool to be able to have like a personal trainer there in the mornings or something so you could like come do your workout, have your dog like hang out there, you know? Yeah. Because you can't, a lot of people go to the gym in the morning and they walk their dog, but there's like no easy way generally to combine those two things. I like that. Yeah, somebody told me, one of our customers told me that they now have a good enough relationship with Flywheel that mm. they leave their dog in the reception area while they go take a class. Oh. It's like, you are living the dream. <laughs> That's perfect. I know. What else can we do that can combine dogs? I mean, people don't D- want to leave. Dentist visits? or. <laughs> Imagine the permitting there. (laughs) (laughs) But people don't want to leave their dogs at home. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there should be many more dog-friendly spots in New York. I I think people don't want to leave their dogs at home. And there's certainly a a large contingent of people, maybe non-dog owners, but probably some dog owners too, who I think think about you know, us saying something like that and think like, oh, you know, these spoiled brats need to get used to not being able to bring their dogs Mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, But it's really to me about the dog, you know, like I feel like my dog's life is happier when, you know, we're in Rome and he can come to a cafe with me, right. Without, without fanfare. Right. No, (laughs) Uh, rather than being home alone. Yeah. They're pack animals. They, they're social animals. But one of the things I thought was cool yesterday, I was talking to a customer and she had been in the cafe for a few hours and her dog was sitting next to her on the bench. Like the dog, was just chilling, like not not playing, not Which is wrestling fine. with right. other, yeah, doing nothing. But she was like, "We do this for a few hours, and then and her dog takes like the best nap of its life after." Mm. And I think the big thing there is like there's mental stimulation, absolutely, in yeah. in seeing other dogs and other people and being with your mom and like not just taking a nap home alone. Yeah, and people underestimate that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also cool because I think people think about the dog run as like. You, you go play and I sit here, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I like to tell people, like, just think about it more. I was like off leash time that you're spending with your dog. So if all your dog wants to do is sit next to you, like you shouldn't be pushing them off the bench every five minutes. Like it's OK. You right. Know? Or like uh, our, our off leash um, playtime, we call the schoolyard. And when mm-hmm. we were starting it, we were trying to figure out names for it. And we thought about, you know, the playground play yard. And we decided to keep the word play out of it because it's not it's not required. <laughs> right. Of course it's an option, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's nice to be encouraging people to just spend time with their dogs in a way that's not, you know, you go socialize with others, but instead like we can socialize together in, in public. Yeah. What about, what about, um, some sort of outdoor cafe Would the rules there be different? So they actually in 2015 passed the dining with dogs bill. Right, right. I think 2015. But yeah, so now you which, are which allows people to be able to have dogs in an outdoor seating area. Yes. Even if you had non-disposable the health department has this like idea about open air. So to them you can have non-disposable, you could have waitress service, but because you're going onto like a patio or something like that, it's mm-hmm. fine. So one thing that we would love in a future location would be to have like a side yard or a backyard um, because then we can get people on like the most beautiful day of the year to be utilizing Boris and Horton in a different way. Like they're still experiencing the outside and it's great, but they're having can their you cup not, of coffee. Can you not have outdoor seating? The, the width of our sidewalk makes mm. it difficult. And I do think it would become this like other stressor where we're having to, we, we've, 
we take responsibility for the for our customers. So I think it would be stressful if every single table had a dog at it. And mm-hmm. now we're like monitoring those interactions, but mm-hmm. we need to be inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because I do think it's different having a cafe that is not marketed to dogs that might have a couple dogs outside versus our cafe where like every table would be taken up with a dog. Right, right. Um, well, I was just thinking about like, uh, I was just thinking about like Shake Shack, for example, mm-hmm. which is located in Madison Square Park where you can, you can bring your dog and, yes. they, actually, and they have the puccini for dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's really just custard with the like a dollop of peanut butter maybe I, know, on I feel it or worried something. how that comes out like the other end. <laughs> I don't think it would go down well for my dog. <laughs> Anything that we haven't covered that, that you think is worth mentioning? Hmm. Have you had a moment where you're like, ah, this is actually working? Whether that's because of the numbers or because of the people there or actually I think I had that moment um, when I was gone for my brother's wedding last weekend mm-hmm. and me and my dad were not at the cafe for the first weekend since we've expanded and our regular customers came in on monday and were like saying good things about their saturday and sunday visits and we saw obviously we see tags on social media and things like that and i was like it is starting to become a well-oiled machine where mm. like we can potentially take days off and like everything that we've put into place is actually working I, under, I know that feeling as a business owner yeah. where you're like, oh my gosh, I've made something that works without me. Right. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like being able to remove yourself from the situation and it's, it still works. Yeah. That's really exciting. So that, that was exciting because there's future weekend days off in my, <laughs> in my life, <laughs> which you, I like. You have dream, big dreams. Of, yeah. <laughs> and uh, have you been approached about other kinds of partnerships or sponsorships or we do get a lot of uh like merchandise partnerships a lot of like snack uh treat companies Mm, and food mm -hmm. companies and things like that um we well we actually have a little bit of a reality show coming out what tell (laughs) me we've been approached we had a lot of media uh interest when we first opened just Mm -hmm. because it was a new concept um and one of the things that we went with is a Netflix documentary about dogs um, and one of the episodes uses Boris and Horton as sort of like the backdrop um, to a few different New York centric dog stories. Oh. So they picked up a couple of our customers who have a strong bond with their dogs and followed them around. Um, and then they also followed around Hearts and Bones on a rescue trip to Dallas mm-hmm. and then back to Boris and Horton for an adoption event. So that's going to be coming out soon. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. So hopefully we look good at it. <laughs> I have no idea. You never sure know with the reality good. TV, but there's definitely a lot of cute dogs. And they did, as a result of the show, the, I think they were able to pull like 33 dogs um, from the shelter that they mm-hmm. weren't planning on pulling. So it's pretty cool. That's really if nothing cool. else happens, that's really cool. Well, thank you so much, Logan. It's been fun to, to learn more about the cafe. Yeah, and I'm thank excited you. to to see where it's gonna go, and I'm excited that it's working. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, when you when you first opened, I thought, you know, I hope I hope this works, but it's certainly a non-tested area. And, right. And I know that you know when you're committing to opening a business in New York City, it's hard to do something that's that's not totally certain. Right. Right. It's a, it's not a small undertaking, but if nothing else, we've proved that people want to be inside with their dogs, <laughs> and then they keep coming back. So. And that good. coffee and dogs are a good. Yeah, good they're match. mood boosters for sure. True, they're both they're <laughs> both mood boosters. Um, what's next? Cannabis cafe with dogs. Well, we've been doing CBD stuff for dogs, so oh. I think that could be something. 
<laughs> there we go. And uh, Horton, it was lovely to lovely to meet you. You're <laughs> you're just a peach. He's so cute. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. You can visit Boris and Horton online at borisandhorton.com or go to the cafe, which is located at 195 Avenue A uh, on the corner of 12th Street in the East Village, quite close to our brand new studio, which we just opened last week, which you definitely have to come by and visit, uh, which is located on East 7th Street, uh, between 1st and A, right near 1st Avenue. It's 92 East 7th Street. Our uh, shop is about three times the size it was before and um, it's a uh, two-story space come on by someone is there pretty much every day during the week until seven and on the weekends till around six so we'd love to see you fun dog fact of the day uh, a California couple has invented a vest called the coyote vest which is designed to keep dogs from getting attacked by coyotes. Isn't that cool? It's brightly colored Kevlar, thin Kevlar, and uh, it has these crazy like plastic spikes or whiskers that pop out of it all over uh, along with metal spikes. It's very weird and uh, sort of scary looking or at least scary I guess if you're a coyote that's the idea if you're a person they're just kind of wild looking <laughs> um, but I think it's a, a pretty genius concept a lot of dogs are uh, are killed by coyotes um, maybe not so much in Manhattan but there are coyotes in New York City too uh, if you can believe it um, I wonder also if these would deter hawks I have some clients who have balconies on high buildings in in uh, New York City, and they do worry about their dogs getting picked up by hawks. So if this is a concern of you, yours, check out the um, show notes. I will link to this uh, new Coyote Vest uh, product. And our woof shout out today, oh, it's a sad one. It's a woof shout out to the beyond. We just lost a client who had become a very good friend of mine over the years, uh, Ellen Redder, who um, started training with her dog, Lucy, at School for the Dogs uh, about four, four and a half years ago. And um, I, I just fell in love with her. She was an older lady who went to um, North Shore with a friend of hers to look at dogs for her friend and she ended up seeing this nine-month-old scruffy terrier sitting in a cage at North Shore and even though she didn't expect to get a dog she fell in love. She ended up naming this dog Lucy and she and Lucy were just such a, a wonderful pair of ladies. Lucy is one of the smartest dogs I've ever met. Uh, just a real natural brain. And um, I worked with the two of them uh, every week for, for many, many months, sometimes just doing fun stuff because uh, the three of us enjoyed hanging out so much. I also worked with um, 
with them to help train Lucy to let Ellen know when someone was at the door or when the phone rang because Ellen's hearing wasn't great. So um, Lucy ended up uh, being a service dog in that way for Ellen. And um, anyway, I just learned yesterday that Ellen died suddenly last week. And um, I'm still getting used to the idea that she's gone. And um, I'm feeling very sad about it. Very sad also uh, for Lucy, who loved her so much. But but glad that um, I got to be a part of her life and got to know her. And um, there are lots of little reminders of her all throughout School for the Dogs. She was a huge fan of School for the Dogs, a real big cheerleader and supporter, um, which uh, I really appreciated. She gave um, us the clock, which is now in our downstairs space when we moved into our East Second Street space. And um, I will forever look at that clock and, uh, and think of her. Um, so Ellen, if you're listening to this in the great beyond, um, I love you and thanks for all the love you gave to Lucy and to me and to School for the Dogs and you will be, uh, you will be very much missed by so many people who, um, enjoyed your, your smile and your laugh and uh your your loveliness thanks so much for listening you can support school for the dogs podcast by telling your friends about it leaving a review or shopping in our online store you can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com 